He's risen. Yeah. You know, today we uh, celebrate Easter, and we celebrate the empty tomb. You know, Jesus' victory over sin and death. And so today we celebrate with people who are gathering, you know, whether it's in a cathedral or a sanctuary, an auditorium, arena, we celebrate with them, you know, with people that are celebrating the victory that's found in Jesus Christ. And you know what's interesting to me is even people who aren't sure that the resurrection really happened are part of the celebration. You know, because I think it's not hard to imagine that if indeed Jesus defeated sin and death, if forgiveness and eternal life are really available, I mean, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened, it changes everything, absolutely everything in life and in death. You know, God rolled the stone away. The the grave is empty. You know, there's a a story that I heard told. It's probably not a true story, but I like it anyway. And it's a story about two Roman soldiers that were standing guard next to the empty tomb of Jesus. And it was a tomb that they were supposed to guard to make sure nobody stole the body and that Jesus didn't walk out of there. And the one guy turned to the other one, he's like, we're in trouble. I mean, what are we going to do now? It's, it's empty. And his buddy kind of shrugged his shoulders, and he goes, yeah, don't worry about it. A year from now, nobody will even know it happened. <laughs> well, here we are, <laughs> 2,000 years later. And not only do we remember the empty tomb, but we celebrate Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. He died so that we could have a relationship with God. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, sins lost its power. Death has lost its sting. Heaven has been secured. Salvation, it's only found in Jesus Christ. You know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today, I want to look at some words that Jesus uttered three days earlier. You know, while he's dying on the cross, say, we've been looking at different words, words that are profound, that... I believe, are life-giving, that have deep implications in our life. Words that really are beyond words, you know. Jesus had been arrested. He was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He faced an unjust trial, was convicted, sentenced to death by crucifixion. Jesus, and this is what I want you to get, Jesus, who was guilty of nothing, would turn to a criminal who was crucified next to him, a man that was guilty, and Jesus would say to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And I believe those had to be life-changing words in that moment. And and here's the question that I kind of want to pose today. 
what does it take to get to heaven? Jesus is dying between two criminals, men who actually deserve death. They deserve death for the crimes that they had committed. And because of God's grace, Jesus doesn't give one of the criminals what he deserved. Instead, Jesus offers him eternal life, paradise. Gives him hope. And so before I go any further with the story, I want all of us to understand something. You know, something that I believe is very, very basic. And that is, we are all guilty of breaking God's laws. Yeah, we've all sinned. All, all of us have. You know, the fact is, how many of you have ever done something wrong? All right, if somebody doesn't have their hand up, just reach over and help them there. <clears throat> we have all, every one of us, done things we shouldn't have. We've lied. We've stolen things. We've gossiped. We've, we've hurt people. We've, we've cheated. We've struggled with envy greed, lust, pride, I could go on and on. We've all said and done things that were wrong, that were not God-honoring. And so can, can we all agree that we are all guilty? Guilty of breaking at least some, some of God's laws, right? Scripture says whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just what? One point (laughs) is guilty of breaking all of it. In other words, if you've cheated at some point or gossiped one time, just once, you're guilty of breaking all the laws, period. It's like playing, how many of you played Jenga before? Yeah, when all the blocks fall, you'll hear someone go, but, but I only removed one block. Jenga. I mean, that's the point here. So, so I'm guilty, you're guilty, we've all done a few things that we're not so proud of. And so in our mind, we're like, well, what's the big deal with that? I mean, what's the, the punishment for, for breaking one of God's laws? Well, Scripture says for the wages of sin is, what is it? Come on, say it with some excitement. (laughs) Mm, That hurts. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've all sinned, and thus we all deserve death. But God doesn't give us what we deserve, but God gives us a gift in Jesus Christ, and he gives us new life, eternal life. That's why we celebrate today. You know, remember Jesus was convicted on trumped-up charges, right? And he's sentenced to death. The story, as it unfolds, Luke says two other men, both criminals, 
were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Crucifixion, and we've talked about that quite a bit in the last few weeks, but it was like one form of of, uh, execution in Jesus' day. There were other forms, but this is the most expensive form of execution because it it took four Roman guards, a centurion. Normally, it would take several days and a lot of uh, people hours involved in it. Crucifixion was the, the most brutal, painful, humiliating way to die. Roman leaders kind of reserved crucifixion for the worst criminals. Uh, In other words, criminals that they really wanted to inflict uh, a lot of pain on them for some reason. Crucifixion oftentimes was used to uh, make what I'll say a public statement. Like, you do this, this is what you're going to get. Which I think tells us a lot about the criminals that are hanging on the cross next to Jesus. I mean, we don't know what they did exactly, but we know it was bad enough that Rome was willing to go to the extra expense to bring the extra pain, to bring the humiliation. You know, with crucifixion, uh, the criminals were stripped of all their clothing. They're nailed to the cross. You know, the sun would beat down on him. They would lose their senses Usually, they'd kind of go mad most of the time. In order to to breathe, they would kind of push themselves up with their their hands and feet so that they could get a breath. And it tore the flesh, the cartilage, just to get another breath. And when they were too exhausted to do that anymore, they'd suffocate. You know, birds would pick at them while they're dying And people would gather, and they'd make fun of them. It was a horrible, horrible punishment. The criminals next to Jesus were serious offenders, all right? If you read the other Gospels, Matthew and and Mark tell us that these guys were thieves. But it's not like what you're thinking, all right? These were thieves in order to kind of fund guerrilla warfare, think terrorists, to overthrow the government. They, they would steal to try and fund what they were doing. Jesus was crucified, well, because the religious leaders and the Roman leaders wanted rid of him once and for all. Crucifying Jesus was a statement to all of Rome. They wanted to humiliate him. They wanted to deter the the people that were following him at that point. Scripture says one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Are you the Messiah? (laughs) Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since 
you are under the same sentence. I mean, we're, we're, we're punished justly for what we're getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man, he's talking about Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And here's, here's what I want to suggest today, that every person here, spiritually speaking, is one of these two criminals. I mean, in the eyes of God. And what I want to do is do a little assessment and consider which, which one are you the most like in your life? You know, that, that first criminal. I mean, we know very little about the guy, but when you read the, the scriptures, you can tell that he is arrogant. He's prideful. And even though he knows he's dying, he has no respect for God in those moments. You know, he's railing. He's hurling insults at Jesus. He has no concern for eternity. In fact, he's mocking Jesus. You know, okay, if you're really the Messiah, then get to it. You know, do something about this. You know, save yourself. Show us your stuff here. I mean, he has so much arrogance that at a point he's like, you know, and while you're doing it, save us too. You know, Messiah, do your thing. And I was thinking about how much that is like people today, where we kind of approach God with this flippant kind of uh, dismissive style. You know, I don't really believe in heaven. You know, besides, if there's a heaven and hell, all my friends are going to hell, so I might as well go with them. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, others, others a little more sophisticated and kind of hedge their bets. Well, I guess I could say a little prayer, you know, and maybe get baptized. As long as long as I don't have to do anything else. You know, just don't ask me to get involved in anything or change my ways. I, I just I just want to be sure, just just in case, just in case it is real. You know, that, that first criminal, he's he's uh, bitter, brazen. And if I was gonna summarize in one word, this guy, well, I would say unrepentant. Doesn't acknowledge he's done anything wrong. He doesn't fear God. I mean, he, he's just unrepentant about his life. The second criminal, he's equally as guilty, all right? But he has a very different perspective. And he turns to the one that's just mocking and being awful. And he's like, don't you fear God? We're going to die. We're, we're going to face our maker in a few minutes. I mean, don't, don't you get it? We're being punished because we did something wrong. You know, we broke some laws. We deserve this. But Jesus, I mean, he's innocent. He has done nothing wrong. And if I was going to summarize this second guy, I would say very repentant in the moment. He knows he did something wrong. He owns it. He recognizes that he's guilty. He admits it. And he acknowledges that he does deserve the punishment. And I think he's got some fear of God, too. 
He knows that he's going to be before his maker in just a few. And he knows he needs mercy, and he knows he needs help, and there's nothing that he can do about it. There's nothing he can do but call out to Jesus in that moment. One criminal, unrepentant. Second criminal, repentant. Which makes me think about just culture. I mean, we've, we've made this shift as a culture. There, there was a day when people actually would admit they'd done something wrong. <laughs> you go, got the video to prove it here. I didn't do that. It's not wrong. I mean, we've got this mentality. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I've done some things I probably shouldn't have, but I knew it was wrong. I, I, I messed up. You know, it used to be people would finally come to a point and go, sorry, sorry about that. But there's been this cataclysmic shift. There is no right and wrong. I, I, I just follow my heart and do what I want to do. No one's going to tell me what, what to do. Nobody. And the problem with that mindset is a total absence of a respectful fear of God. When when there's no standard, it's really easy to look around look at the person next to you and go, you know, I'm not a bad person. And besides, you make me look really good, (laughs) you know. I mean, it's tempting to do, isn't it, sometimes? But, but, But I would suggest not doing that. But that's the culture we live in. I'm not a bad person. I don't care what God or anybody has to say. And friends, if you're unrepentant, if you don't admit you've done some things, some things that are wrong in life, if you can't ever get to that place and just acknowledge it, and you're arrogant enough to, you know, be full of pride, well, you're more like the first criminal that we're talking about. But... If you recognize and you go, well, yeah, I've made some mistakes. I've messed up. I acknowledge there's some sin in my life. If you fear God and realize that you actually need forgiveness, well, then you're more like the second criminal. And and here's why this is so important. Because until you see that you've got sin in your life and that you're not perfect, that you make mistakes, until you realize that, you will not realize your need for a Savior in your life. I mean, if you're full of pride, God looks and goes, can't help you. But if you come to him repentant, you know, I messed up. I've done some things that are wrong. Well, Suddenly, you're a candidate for God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness 
Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's between two criminals. Both of them are equally guilty. Both of the criminals equally deserve death. They've, they've done stuff that the, they are where they are. Both of them, they hear and see the same things those final hours of their life. They had the exact same opportunities. Both of them are suffering and they're in great pain. And both of them need a savior. One of them misses it. And one of them gets it. Both were in the presence of Jesus, but only one of them's heaven bound. You know, two different people singing the same songs. Two different people hearing the same message. Two different people who for a moment, they they realize they're in the presence of God. You know, two different people. And one is more like the first criminal. I don't need this religious stuff. I'm not a bad person. All this stuff about Jesus, I mean, it's nice, I guess, but it's really for people that are weak, don't have any other options in their life. You know, one person basically saying, I'm good. I don't need help in my life. And the second person, well, they're more like the second criminal. I messed up, man. I have messed up many times. And I can't fix this stuff. And I need help. And I need mercy. And I need grace. And I need a savior in my life. And here's, here's the good news, that that second person, as he's dying on the cross next to Jesus, he calls out to Jesus, and he's going to be forgiven, and he's going to be transformed in that moment. You know, Scripture says, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I want, did you catch this here? Because I want you to, to get it. Th- this guy... He wasn't begging, and he didn't say anything particularly fancy here. I mean, it's not complicated what he said. It's not theological, for sure. He just says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's reaching out to Jesus. And in a moment of repentance in his life, I mean, this guy deserves death, but Jesus answers him. And he says, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, a few words, and this man is changed forever. I mean, in death, and this is, this is the beauty of it, he's, he's dying, but he gets eternal life. It, it's a powerful story of God's grace. Ephesians, the uh, second chapter says, God saves you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. None of us, none of us, say that with me, none of us can boast about it. We can't take credit for it. 
In other words, you're not made right with God by your works, okay? You're not made right with God because you're good enough. You're not made right with God by going to church, by being a member of a church, by giving, by being a nice person. You know, you're not made right with God by cleaning up your act and being able to go, well, I was worse then, now I'm better. You cannot get right with God by being religious in your life. You are made right with God. You are saved by grace, the grace of God, through your faith when you believe that Jesus died for you. This, guy, this guy's hanging on the cross. He could not do any good works. Couldn't go to church. That's probably a good excuse. You know. Yeah, it took a little bit, didn't it? <laughs> he could not clean up his act at this point because he's dying. He couldn't do anything but put his trust in the grace of Jesus Christ. Psalmist says, he does not punish us as we deserve or repay us according to our sins and wrongdoings. You know, why? Well, as high as the sky is above the earth, so great is God's love for those who honor him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. See, I've sinned. I deserve death. But Jesus Christ gave me new life. Eternal life. It's the heart of the gospel. It's why we're celebrating today. You know, we are not good enough. We do not earn this. We never, ever deserve it. We only have it because of the love of God and because of Jesus Christ. My question is just a simple one today. Are you like the first criminal or the second criminal? I mean, you like the first one? Stand your ground. Alone in your arrogance. I'm good, I'm a good, I'm good. There is nothing you need from God, really? It's unrepentant. Or are you like that second criminal? Are you at a place, or have you been at a place, where you acknowledge, I've sinned. I'm guilty. I'm ashamed of some stuff. And at a point, you just humbly call out or cry out to God. Forgive me. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. You know, Romans, Paul writes, he says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a moment of repentance. It's a fraction of a second. And my question 
will you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Because today's a day of salvation. It's what we celebrate. And I'll just be blunt. Some of you need to do that. You need to give your life to Jesus. Just acknowledge you've sinned and just call out to him. Just say, save me, save me. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you, you've been a Christ follower for a long time. But if you were honest, you'd say, you know, there was a day I followed really close with God. You knew you needed Jesus in your life. And for whatever reason, you've kind of wandered off. In fact, you're living really far from God. Really doesn't have much impact in your life these days. And I guess there comes a point where you go, I need to reach back out to Jesus and recommit my life. That's worth celebrating. There are others here today and you're facing situations. You know, you desperately need like a resurrection in your life. In a, you're going through something and you've got all these obstacles and problems and the fact is you need it brought back to life and you've lost hope. And I want to tell you in Jesus Christ, the same power that allowed Jesus to walk out of the grave, that it's, it's available to bring life to that stuff, that junk, that garbage, that, that stuff that you just don't feel like there's hope anymore. And friends, I, what I'm going to do, and we do this often, I'm going to ask you in a moment so to just stand up because I want to pray for you and pray for whatever that situation. And so if you need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, you're going to have that opportunity. If you need to recommit yourself and say, you know what, I want to remember this Easter and I'm going to recommit and make my life centered around God again, around Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've got that junk, that problem that you, you think it's dead, you think it's over, you think you're not going to get through it or whatever, and it needs to be brought back to life. Well, as an act of faith, I mean, if you're one of those persons, you just stand up where you are right now because I'm going to pray for you. That's all you got to do. It's an act of faith. And so just stand where you are and we're going to pray. All right? Whatever it is. Our holy God. God, you see the individual standing right now. And God, I know... There are some that they just in their hearts said, I want you as my Savior. I want you as my Lord. New day, new day. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just whisper to them right now and tell them they belong to you. That heaven's secured that you want to be involved in their life. God, I also know there are some that this is a day of recommitment. God, I pray that uh, 
they would just draw you in front and center. And that tomorrow morning when they get up, that you would just whisper, we're doing this day together. And that you would give them those moments through the day that they'd realize that you're paying attention, that you're there to help them move the right direction, to say the right things or not say things, whatever. And God, I know there are those today that uh, I don't know what's going on in their life, but for whatever reason, they've hit the wall. They feel hopeless. They've given up. God, I pray you just whisper, I got this. You can't see where things are going, but I can, and I'm with you. Knock down the obstacles, Lord. Show them a new day. Show them the path to take. God, I thank you for the your presence, your power. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we celebrate today because your son walked out of the grave. And God, we give you the glory with all we say and do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. You know, we're going to celebrate. And Jesus walked out of that grave. It's empty. And because of that, I believe anything is possible in our lives. You know, Jesus is risen. And because he's risen, we can rise with him. Jesus said, today you're with me in paradise. You know, paradise, it got flung open that day. They made a way for for us in in our lives. And so today we celebrate that. And, you know, just the beauty of, of seeing God's people, you know, there, there's something just moves you in that moment, changes you. And so we're going to celebrate today. You know, do you, do you see what I see when it comes to Jesus? I mean, do you? Let's worship.